0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And Alex and I were just arguing off the air before we hit go live on this. We constantly argue with each other like this is first take just 24-7, 365 in our text messages or even on the live stream before we hit record. We were talking about the weather down in Buffalo, and currently the forecast for Saturday night is predicting single-digit temperatures in Orchard Park, maybe even below zero temperatures by the time we get into the third and fourth quarter of this game. I, for one, am glad for the Patriots that they might have an advantage in bad weather. Alex, I know where you stand on this, but I don't want to win because of the weather. Right. And I think that the week 13 game, everybody is chalking that one up to hurricane level wins. The Patriots wouldn't have won that game in an equal playing field. They didn't win in week 16 when the weather conditions were better. I want, if the Patriots are going to win this game, on Saturday night, I want to beat the Bills fair and square. I don't want to give anybody any excuses as to why the Patriots only won because Josh Allen uh, has some condition you're talking about with cold feet and hands and things like that.
1: I And I don't know how you can say that, especially in the playoffs. I don't care. I don't care why they win. I just want them to win. Be a fan one time, Evan. No. Also, the Patriots' no. whole dynasty is built on – using weather conditions to their advantage all those time Peyton Manning came in here. But
0: if I have to to go watch another game in Buffalo where Mac Jones only throws three passes the entire game, and then I have to sit here and listen to how great of a game plan it was and how genius it was from Bill Belichick to not throw the ball, and he didn't have to throw the ball.
1: Why do you care if they win?
0: And guess what? If they win, you won't have to hear
1: about it that much because then we're on to another game next week okay, right enough. i like who cares just let them let all the bills fans you know me, be miserable I, about I, it you know let them spend know. the whole off season bitching and moaning about how bad they want a dome let them have let put it on their <laughs> plate i don't i said this i said this after the game the week 13 game that they won in the wind i hoped the next game the conditions were even worse i i don't want the bills fans to know i don't want anything definitive I, I don't and look if it happens, great. I want them to win. That'd be awesome. Either
0: way. But if they win because of the weather, fine. Doesn't Okay. I, I fair enough, I guess. Look, I my whole thing is is you know me. I love the X's and O's. I love the minutia of it. I love the scheming. I want to see Josh McDaniels against Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott and Belichick against Dable. And I don't want to have to throw the tape out. From the game, like essentially we did in week 13, because playoffs, it's not, it it doesn't doesn't work that way. But I care more about breaking it down than I do the end result in a lot of ways. And I think that that's hey, but here's the thing if they win, if that's what
1: it takes for them to win, then you get to break the tape down the next week. And that, by the way, might be in Tennessee where the weather should be fine. So you'll get your legitimate tape to break down, although you won't consider that legitimate because you hate the way Tennessee built their team and you hate Derrick Henry. So we can go back and forth on this all day. But the reality is it's the playoffs. Whatever you got to do to win, you win. Whatever it takes to win, it takes. I don't think you clarify and quantify. Look, I get wanting to break down the film. I get going through the stats. I think, and that's a big part of what we do, and it's an important part of what we do. But I think when it comes to the stats, when it comes to the tape, when it comes to all of it, once he gets the playoffs, you just kind of ride it game to game, and then you revisit it all collectively whenever the playoffs end. We hope it's in February. Who knows when it is? That's my approach to it, is let's take this game by game. Whatever happens, happens, because there's always external conditions in the playoffs. And then we can revisit the tape again once the whole thing's said and done. Because the other reality is, Evan, after February 14th, we're going to need content anyway. So let's save it all, you know. So that that's where I'm at with it. If they win, they win. I don't care how much weather has to do with it or anything.
0: This is it, Ryan Shaw. Ryan Shaw gets me. He understands that it's my I... job to break it down. And breaking down a game with three pass attempts, I th- this was me. Do- dozing off, no, trying no, here's to, here's my counter away, to that. fucking counter, counter, power, toss, counter counter power toss 45 times no thank you i don't want it again give me a real football game i actually like the patriots chances in a real football game i don't want to see this again all right thank you ryan shaw so, for so being here's, the only my, here's my counter that. That. i appreciate that you're supposedly this big offensive line
1: guy you should enjoy watching yeah it. It, it, that's it's... my first point second of all if you want to break down tape so bad you should want whatever possibly could happen. So there's more games for you to break down. If the Patriots win, you get more games to break down. Sure. And again, I think Tennessee would be a fun game to to,
0: to do. And that's probably what it would be. So I asked Josh McDaniels about the weather this morning, because after the last time in week 13, I'm just dreading and rolling my eyes about the fact that I might have to watch Mac Jones turn around and hand the ball off again, 50 times. So McDaniels said on Tuesday morning that, Cold temperatures don't inhibit him from calling passes the same way that wind or snow or rain would. Precipitation and wind were the two big factors, he said, in terms of turning down the passing game. If it's just single-digit temps, then I do think the Patriots are going to go out there and still throw the ball a decent amount. They're not going to throw it 50 times because that's just a bad game plan in general against Buffalo. But I think they will throw the ball way more than what they did in Week 13. Now, I want to talk about this game against Miami, though, before we get into some more stuff about the Bills, and we can argue about the weather back and forth all week. But talk about the issues that we saw against the Dolphins, the issues that the Patriots have had over the last month of the season, the three losses in four games. And talk about, are these fixable in six days? Or are the Patriots at a point now where they're a flawed team and they're kind of cooked? Now, I think... And maybe this is just me being optimistic. I think that when I watched this tape, Bill Belichick actually summed it up perfectly on Monday morning with this quote, it was one line, a snarky uh, bill on Monday morning, as you'd expect after a loss. But he said, we do enough good things to be competitive. We just need to be more consistent. And I thought that hit nail on head for Bill because When you watch this game against Miami, they did some things well, especially offensively. They moved the ball six and a half yards per play outside of the pick six. Mac Jones really efficient in the passing game, almost nine yards per pass attempt. They ran the ball effectively against Miami. They did a lot of really good things in this game against the Dolphins. It's just in the first quarter. You get outscripted on the opening drives, you get a pick six and all of a sudden it's 14 to nothing. So there's a lot to fix, but I also think there's some things that the Patriots can still hang their hats on and say, we still do these things well, if we can clean up a lot of the other stuff.
1: Yeah. It's just a matter of doing them consistently. That's a bigger, bigger issue. Like, I don't know that there's any one thing I've seen that they definitively can't do. It's yeah. just a lot of it they don't necessarily do well enough on a consistent basis to win games, right? They can stop the run. They can run the ball. They can stop the pass. They can throw the ball. Like, yeah. I, and I, that's, that's a massive oversimplification. No, you're point. not like, wrong, though. They can, they can, they can do pretty much every, every element to both sides of the ball. It's just a matter of, you know, the passing game disappears at times, the running game disappears at times. We've seen them just completely, you know, defensively trying to defend the pass, just get so passive in it that they end up hurting themselves. Right. Yeah. We've seen them get gashed on the ground. So it's, it all comes down to consistency and that's, what's so frustrating. It's what you expect from a young team. And I don't necessarily mean young in the sense of the player's age, but you have a bunch of guys who've only been in the system. Either they've been in it for a year it's their first year in the system. It's kind of what you expect is that kind of inconsistency, but you know, as Bill Belichick likes to say, there's no rookies this time of year. Yeah, so it's time to really show. Can you can you can you play a sixty minute game if you're the Patriots? That's what this comes down to. Yeah, because if they play a sixty minute game, they should be right in it. You know, they didn't play sixty minutes against Miami. They didn't play sixty minutes against the Colts. They didn't play sixty minutes against the Bills in that second game. That's what this comes down to: is can they play sixty minutes?
0: Yeah, that that's a really great way of putting it because you look at the first quarter of all these games. The Patriots in the last four games that they've played. Have been outscored in the first quarter, thirty-eight to seven. They've gotten down really quickly, really early. And the first thing that I would say, and I, I led with this in in my game recap as well on Sunday on Sunday night, the first thing that I would say about this team that needs to improve immediately for them to have a chance on Saturday night is the coaching. And I don't necessarily mean the fundamentals and the techniques and the stuff you start in training camp. I'm talking about The game plans and the scripts that they have to open the games because the defense got blown doors on that first drive, right? Miami comes out, runs a bunch of different RPO kind of concepts, bubble screens, glance routes, Uh, RPO floods to the field on the touchdown pass to Waddle, and the Patriots looked completely and utterly unprepared for it. Like their heads are spinning. There's open guys all over the place. They have no idea where their eyes are supposed to be or where their assignment is on a given play against the RPO. Miami marches right down the field, 13 play, touchdown drive. Then they come back on third down against Brian Flores, and they run a concept, a slam flat on one side, branch on the other side, where they're anticipating man coverage, or at least post-safety zone, right? Cover three is what I think Mac Jones thought it was going to be, and it ends up being cover two zone. So Brian Flores goes into the game and totally breaks a tendency right off the bat. First pass play of the game. Instead of playing press man, cover zero, all the different things that we talk about with Brian Flores and his defensive scheme, they play cover two. Totally unprepared for it. Mac Jones ends up throwing to the covered flat. Xavier Howard takes it back for six, 14 zip just like that at a blink of an eye. The Patriots have gotten out schemed and out coached in the opening script. We talk about the script all the time—the first twenty to twenty-five plays that both teams call. The Patriots have been out coached, out exited O's for what a month now? I would say, really, since the—I mean, it's been a—it's pro- been a
1: problem all year. Maybe yeah. not. it has been a problem in every game since the ending game. But you go back, even the Browns game—they won forty-five-seven. That first drive from the Browns, right. they cut right up the field, right. The script, yeah. yeah no, the, I I talked about this on my podcast with Matt Dolliff on 985thesportsub.com. The scripted drives it's kind of flown under the radar, but they've really struggled with those throughout the
0: season. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. Betonline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Betonline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50 to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts yeah they were at one point in time and like everything during that seven game winning streak all these stats got super inflated because they were just so good and they were killing all these bad teams and they were doing well against good teams that they were playing and they were near the top of the league and touchdowns scored on their opening drives at the midway point of the season but just like everything else that has completely crashed down this split really points out i think the whole issue with the defense Currently, the Patriots defense in the first quarter is 28th in EPA per play out of 32 teams and quarters two through four. The last three quarters of the game, they're second in EPA per play on defense. So they're getting much better as the game wears on. But the problem with this team is that unlike in the past when Tom Brady was here, when they would get down 14 to nothing, it's game over. For this team, pretty much they they can't come back from those deficits as easily as teams in the past with the Patriots have. So if they don't improve the script and I know that's such a cliche media thing to talk about, but for this team in particular, it really speaks right to the core of the issues. And I thought opening drive for Miami, Belichick, Steve, Patricia, Gerard Mayo, whoever you want to throw in that defensive hat, they were spinning in terms of what exactly was going on with the run pass options with the passing concepts that they were running off the RPOs and then offensively Flores got McDaniels for most of the first quarter it wasn't really until the third or fourth drive of the game that Josh McDaniels started to adjust to what Brian Flores was doing which was a lot more zone coverage I think than the Patriots ever anticipated the Dolphins playing and that was Flores knowing, they know my tendency of playing man. I'm going to do the total opposite and the Patriots expected him to just do what he does. And that's not what ended up happening. He game planned New England better than New England game planned him.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I'd agree with all that. Uh, and I Flores is the, I I this goes to another topic, but I still can't believe Flores got fired. I think yeah. That I mean, it's crazy cuz that game Sunday is was the perfect example of why Brian Flores is not what's wrong with the Miami dolphins is why Brian Flores is what's right of the Miami what's right with the Miami dolphins. So I I'll just throw that, that, you know, a denim onto it is that I can't believe they let him go. And look, he absolutely should be a head coach somewhere else. He, it, it sounds like he is going to you know be taking interviews yeah. and all of that during this coaching cycle. If he somehow slips through the cracks and I, I don't know whether that'll happen or not, he shouldn't, but if he does somehow slip through the cracks, no excuse for him to not be back here next year especially if Gerard Mayo leaves, right? He he should be back in New England and working on the defense.
0: I wonder if he can be back in New England this week, at least over the phone, right? Some consultation. Right. How, how many times did he play Josh Allen in, in the Bills over the last couple of years? As right. They in Miami six times. Well, time? I think the Bills put up 45 on the Dolphins. Oh, at no, least that was he, the thought, Jets. he might not have the personnel, right? I think the Dolphins did a pretty good job against Buffalo the last time that they played. I think they lost both games against the bills. I think the first game was early on in the season uh, and they lost 35, nothing to Buffalo, but 26, 11 in that second yeah. game, you know, they, I think they figured out some things there. So who knows, maybe they can at least call them up and say, you know, what, what's your two cents on, on this dolphins offense or this uh, bill's offense, excuse me. And, and how should we play it? We're going to talk a little bit about the B- Patriots defense and the RPOs and all that stuff here in a second. But I want to turn now to the adjustments that they did eventually make on offense that allowed them to get back in the game. And we see this all, every game. It's It feels like of late, especially, but every loss that they have this year, this is what happens for the first two or three series of the game, the Patriots look like they're going to get their doors blown off of them. And then they figure it out and they adjust and they get themselves back into the football game. And in a lot of ways you can talk about player execution being a problem. I I want to keep pointing to coaching, not being free of blame in that conversation. I know challenging Bill Belichick is like challenging, you know, the greatest coach of all time. Who are you? Right. But I'm telling you right now, this is not just a player execution problem. This is also a problem with the way that the coaches are drawing up these game plans early in games. Eventually, finally, right, the Josh McDaniels adjusts to Brian Flores' zone coverage schemes and starts to dial up plays down the field. There, every team right now against the Patriots' offense is sitting there saying. If we take away the short stuff, if we take away the the short and intermediate area of the fields and the underneath throws and the check downs, and we get Mac Jones to have to push the ball down the field, we feel better about our chances. So Josh McDaniels said to Brian Flores, if you're going to drop four or five short zone defenders across the middle of the field, so be it. We're pushing the ball down the field. We're going to get up the field and create big plays. And they did that successfully. And to me, that was a breath of fresh air. We came on the show last week, and I said, My concern with the way that the Patriots played against the Jaguars is that they could not replicate that against better defenses because better defenses were going to take away those shorter throws. And that was going to be their game plan was to scheme those types of throws out for the Patriots. In this game against Miami, I I was really um, pleasantly surprised at their ability to push the ball down the field. Now, I have no idea if that was because it was 75 degrees and they didn't have to deal with weather and it was nice and warm and the good conditions to throw the ball. But at the same time, seeing Mac hit Jacoby Meyer, seeing Mac hit Hunter Henry down the field on a couple of big plays. Uh, those are the types of plays that eventually will open up the underneath stuff. If you can consistently hit the shot plays down the field, well then they can't just suffocate you underneath and beat you that way because you will create those explosives. Yeah. Again, I I
1: pretty thorough. Again, I agree. So <laughs>
0: So, yeah, that, that's why we keep you around here, Alex, just to agree At with you. At a certain you, point, I don't
1: want to just reiterate, you know, what you're saying. So
0: Okay, well, I, I think the, the question that I guess, you know, that we should present here is, is do you feel like they can do this against Buffalo, right? I mean, they did against Miami. Like I just mentioned, it was all the conditions were great and all that kind of stuff. But I, I feel like this is their blueprint moving forward of if you're going to sit on all this underneath stuff, well, we are going to push it down the field. And the one other thing I wanted to bring up was, I know I texted you about this and, and, and we kind of, joke about it as a, as a fan base or as a reporter is about Nelson Aguilar's clear out game. Nelson Aguilar is a legit, clear out guy like he really does that role extremely well and the verticality of this Patriots offense when he's in the game versus when he's not in the game based off of the couple games that he missed with the concussion it is staggering how much of a difference it is for defenses and how they treat Nelson Aguilar versus how they would treat Nikhil Harry or Christian Wilkerson on the same route When they run post cross or like the 35 yarder, they hit the Hunter Henry and Nelson Aguilar is on the deep post. He's taking two guys with him every single time. He's taking a corner and he's taking the post safety with him every single time. And that's how that big play gets created because then there's nobody on the deep third to take Hunter Henry. So their verticality improves. I I don't think that the, the box score stats really tell the whole story or even close to the whole story with the impact that Nelson Aguilar has on this team. Yeah, I, and this is something
1: we talked about the last, you know, when he was out for those two games, the difference he makes. And to go back to the original question, can the Patriots maybe stretch the field a little bit against the Bills? I don't think they could in week 16 because they didn't have Nelson Aguilar. And you could see there just was no respect for Nikhil Harry on the outside. The Bills are putting, you know, 10 guys in the box, one high safety man press on the outside against Nikhil. And that, you know, that was the story. And they were willing to let the Patriots try to do that. and The opportunity wasn't there. With Nelson Aguilar, yeah. you're you're going to pull Poyer back or or um, hide back, right? You're you're going to occupy one of those guys, and and you know sometimes it'll probably be one, sometimes it'll probably be the other, but it's just going to. I'm not so much worried with like the deep deep stuff, like the throw to to where, where Myers made that you know comeback catch, whatever. I'm not so much worried about that. What this offense needed to hit, and we talked about this in camp. What this offense needed to be able to do to be and and what Brady was so elite at among many things. But, you know, the thing that really clicks in this offense is when you can dominate the intermediate, when you can dominate, you know, the eight to 15 yard range in the passing game and without Aguilar on the field, they can't do that. That's why Hunter Henry got shut down for those two games because teams just don't respect the speed on the field and they clog up that eight to 15 yard range and they just dare the Patriots pass catchers to run by him what they can't do, which they can't do. So when you have Nelson Aguilar on the field, it's going to open things up in that eight to 15. And if the Patriots can take advantage of that, and it's tough to do against this Bills defense again with Poyer and Hyde and Milano, and I, I think I'm missing somebody there. But those are really the three big ones in terms of the speed in yeah. the middle of the field on defense.
0: Yeah, Tremaine Edmonds is the other. Tremaine one. Edmonds is the one I'm missing. Right. I
1: know I was missing one. Thank you. Yeah. Um. But you're you're going to occupy at least one of those guys. If you can occupy another one of those guys with a back or a tight end, which is why it would have been great, you know, to be able to say John who's somebody who's going to draw coverage. We don't know exactly how much he's going to draw in this game, but you're, they should have opportunities. Now, Mac Jones and the receivers have to capitalize on those opportunities, but they should have opportunities in that intermediate range. And that, that's where they, if they can start hitting those, the Bills are in trouble. If Mac's coming out and boom, eight yard slant, boom, 10 yard in, eight yard, you know, eight yard crosser, and he's, you know, in between the numbers in that range right around the sticks, that's when you know things are clicking and that's when the Bills are in trouble. The, the, the games where they've been able to make those throws and make those plays, they've had success moving the ball. When that's taken off the table, and teams have entirely taken those plays off the table, especially with Nelson Aguilar not on the field, that's when the offense kind of just is forced to sit on its hands, run the ball, and wait for the defense to make a play.
0: Yeah, it's funny because in this game against Miami – Uh, Mac Jones only had two attempts at that intermediate level, because that was exactly where the Dolphins were trying to take away as well. But what they eventually did, and I mentioned that post-crosser to Hunter Henry, they ran that exact same play on the next drive, post cross. And what they actually got the second time was the check down of Damian Harris. Damian Harris gained 13 yards on the check down because the linebackers were screaming downfield to try to get underneath the crossing route because they had just hit it on the drive before. And then all of a sudden, that starts to open up the underneath. It starts to open up the intermediate. So it's not necessarily a volume thing, right? It's not like they have to go out there and throw the ball deep 20 times to get the defense to respect it. It's just if you can hit four or five of them down in the field or even two or three of them down the field if you're talking about earlier in the game that eventually is going to pay dividends in the long run where you can start to get into your bread and butters which are those intermediate throws so i think that that was a really good blueprint for the patriots i don't want to harp too much on the turnovers from mac jones everybody there's not much to say right i mean that that was
1: probably the worst pick he's thrown all year and it wasn't a great play call either like he didn't get any help from mcdaniels yeah that's probably the worst worst play call, or the worst pick he's thrown this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's a it's one of those plays where you sit there and initially, when I was watching the play, I was like, oh, maybe this was some sort of like five trap, like a trap coverage where they show man, and then it ends up being zone, and and he throws the ball into where he thinks is a vacated. It wasn't anything fancy. It was straight cover two. Zabian Howard jams his guy and then sinks into the flat, and he's standing right there the entire time. It's not like if he, you know, like a trap coverage when he like man turns, right? So he turns his back to the line of scrimmage and runs up the field for a couple yards with the man and makes you think that he's running downfield. That's when you can come off that and jump those routes. And those are really difficult reads for the quarterback. But this wasn't that. This was just straight spot drop cover two. And Mac Jones just never saw him in the flat, never even anticipated him being there. And that was a bad one. Uh, the this botch snap, also a bad, he pulls out early, right? Uh, that was bad phrasing. But you, uh, you know what I mean? He, his head pulls out and he doesn't really see the ball into his hands on the snap and he ends up fumbling it. So those are the things that can't happen moving forward. If they're going to have success in the postseason, they can't kill themselves with those turnovers. But right. once you extrapolate those turnovers from the overall tape i thought that the tape was actually a lot better than what it represented on the surface when you look in and say okay well Mac jones most likely cost them 10 points if not more because he's got the fumble in miami territory and he's got the pick six but in reality some of the passing game stuff that they were able to do in this game really i think is more replicable or more intuitive to what they will do moving forward than what we saw against Jacksonville. So that that's good news for the Patriots there.
1: Yeah. I, I would just say though, and I've been a big proponent of this whole year's of learning experience and all of that, that's, that's done. You know, I don't care what, you know, you, you right. take this out of the tape, you take that out of the tape and Oh, it looks encouraging. Like we can get back to that a little bit next year with Mac. The expectations will certainly be higher. It's, it's about results now it's about yeah. results. And Look, if he can have the game you're talking about without the turnovers, then great. Then the Patriots have a chance, but yeah, they can't they can't turn the like they can't turn the ball over and win this game. Right. If they turn the ball over, especially if they turn the ball over before the Bills do, but that that might be the game right there. Like the margin for error is that. The margin for error is that then, as we've seen the last couple of weeks, whether it was the block punt in Indy or you know, the pick six last week, like that's just where their margin of error is right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move over to the defense side of the football. I oh, wait, be- no, there is a good point in the chat that we should talk about on okay. offense.
1: The yeah. offensive line and, and you know, what that's going to look like. And because yeah. the offensive line has not played great here. The offensive line has not mm-hmm. played great. And we'll see what happens with, you know, what's going on with Isaiah Wynn.
0: I yeah, think I thought the line was more or less game. okay. The issue with the line in this game against Miami was that there was a, one sack in particular that I can remember off the top of my head. Maybe it was two. I'm i th- I'm thinking it was two. Uh, that really hurt them in Miami territory. The sack that they gave up right after Isaiah Wynn left the game and uh, Miami put three guys over the left side and ran a stunt scheme and got an unblocked rusher to the quarterback sack. There was two guys open on the play for a touchdown if there's protection, right? So those are the ones that kill you because you watch it back and you see, oh man, uh, he probably hits Hunter Henry maybe for six. And he might've hit Jacoby for six too on the play if there's protection. So there was some untimely pressure, untimely sacks, but 12 blitzes they protected those pretty well they blocked the blitzes up pretty well and i thought on the whole the line played okay and plus they they carved out some really great rushing lanes uh, for the ball carriers there as well the patriots have made an absolute killing on those cutback runs right they're running power or lead and everybody's fast flowing to the pullers and they're cutting it back across the grain and they're, they're getting huge runs that way as well so i wasn't really i didn't come away from this game thinking the line played terribly there was just a few issues with protection on third down that ended up really costing them in big spots well how about in the running game i thought they blocked up the run really well for the most part there were some plays where Jakob johnson bailed out trent brown on the 15 yard touchdown by bold and trent brown fires out of his stance and and falls right on his face and and doesn't get his block and Jacob. uh rightfully and smartly took his man and, and opened up that lane for Bolden I didn't think they run blocked particularly poorly I mean maybe there were some runs here and there the tight ends did not block well early in the game I'll say that uh very early on Van Ginkle and some of the edge defenders for Miami were too much for Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith and I, I do feel like not to pick on those two guys because we do that a lot especially with Johnny but uh, I do feel like those two guys have not blocked as well this year than as maybe they were anticipating when they made those signings. But right now when you put Henry or Smith on a legitimate edge rusher, they can't block those guys. That's it's a mismatch for the defense. Yeah. I I just think, you know,
1: they, they, again, they have to be able to run the ball. And I I guess I'm more talking about the last four, like since the bye more so than just the Miami game. Yeah. They got both sides. I mean, both sides of the ball, they got blown off the line of scrimmage. And that, that, uh, that second matchup against the bills. They can't have like the, right. the offensive line can't just be good in this game. They can't just be fine. Like that's well, not they, enough for the Patriots to win this game. They have to be well pushing the bills out. back.
0: They, they, they had three TDs on the ground against Buffalo in week 16. I mean, it wasn't, but they, it, it wasn't, again, it goes back to, they have to be consistent. They yeah. have
1: to be, they started running the ball well once they were down two scores and right. the bills were playing the pass. Like yeah. they have to come out on the first drive it, see the problem is i recorded the the podcast with Dolph right before this so i can't remember if i said something on that show or this show it it's all about it's all about like they ha- i forget if it was bill or one of the players who said something on monday about consistency in yeah. the, and and i i did talk about it earlier now i remember but you know about stringing plays together if they're running the ball well down two scores in the fourth quarter fine like i get it you want them to be able to come back and the running game still be a part of it right they've got to come out on the first drive in push the the Bills defensive line back and really make their presence felt early. They can't wait around for it. Like they've been doing the last few games. How many times, whether it was against the Colts, whether it's against the bills, against the dolphins, did you just see those nothing runs on first down early in the game, early yeah. in the game that, can't you can't be getting behind the sticks in the first quarter and they're using the run to get ahead of the sticks
0: yeah there's that very first play against buffalo first run of the game uh harrison phillips walks david andrews back into the backfield and makes a stop on the first play of the game and and they got pressure on third down that drive ends quickly i understand what you're saying i i think consistency for this entire team is the name of the game there's times where they look fantastic as an offense and we haven't even talked about the defense yet but just speaking about the offense there are times where they look fantastic where they can do anything that they want out there they have a diversified scheme they attack all the grass on the field Uh, they're throwing deep they're throwing short they're running the football left to right and then all of a sudden there are times where they have some really really bad reps that kill them negative plays turnovers things like that and those are the things that they have to cut cut back it's you know it's like three steps forward two steps back with them at, at times and, and that, that can be frustrating all right let's talk about the defense I, I think the biggest thing that i see with this defense right now for the patriots is you talk about losing in the trenches the defense for since the colts game i think the defense for some reason has lost their, mo, their mojo and i th- when i talk about the defense i mean the front seven in particular they have been getting gashed On the run game, they've been getting uh their inside linebackers have been in conflict in a lot of these RPO type of plays against Miami. They have no idea how to defend an RPO. I don't know what it is, but but Belichick has not figured it out. I think it's mainly the fact that these linebackers are a little bit slower, especially on first and second down. And you're putting guys like Bentley, Van Noy, Hightower. Even Jamie Collins who's more athletic than the rest of them, but still isn't exactly, the, you know, where he was maybe eight or nine years ago in terms of his athleticism. And they can either be pass players or they can be run players. And what I mean by that is those inside backers. If they come downhill and they press blockers and they plug up gaps, they're really effective run defenders. If they stay back in passing lanes, some of those guys, Collins, Van noy can get their hands and get their bodies in the way of passing lanes. The problem is, is they don't have the speed or the athleticism to be in both places at once. And that's easier said than done. Not a lot of guys do. But when they play these RPO schemes, that's the biggest issue that I see is, okay, they can back off. And they can sit in the slant window or they can sit in the curl window and they can force give after give after give like they did on Sunday against Miami. But then they're giving it up to the D line with four guys up front or three guys up front to stop the run all by themselves. And these guys are coming late downhill to the pullers, to the climbers and zone schemes. And they're gaining five or six yards per carry off of these RPO schemes because the linebackers are so far back trying to play pass. So, I don't know if Kyle Duggar is, is a big time answer for them against some of these schemes. And maybe if they feel like their D line can dominate against a team like Buffalo, for example, whose offensive line is getting better and has improved the course of the season, but isn't the dominant unit by any means, maybe they feel like they can survive with Phillips and Duggar at both in the box. Right. And that can maybe right. mitigate some of that. Cause Buffalo runs a ton of RPOs too. Those aren't going away. They're going to keep seeing them. So I think that's the biggest problem I see is that that those linebackers, the thumping linebackers, the high towers, the Bentleys, the Van Noyes, those guys have trouble when they're in conflict, when they have to play run and pass and their defenses, are, the RPO schemes are putting them in that conflict. They end up playing a middle ground where they're playing nothing. You know what I mean? Like they, they end up being uh, in a spot where they're actually not impacting the run or the pass all that much. And that that's really been problematic for this team. Yeah. And it just,
1: I don't, for me, I know that's
0: like a more in-depth breakdown. I
1: just feel like they're, they're too passive against it. They're too afraid of it. They're just sitting yeah. back. You know, they're yeah. get, we, we talked about it on the show on Thursday. Don't give them cushion, get up, jam them, make them make the decisions quickly. And there's just none of that. They played it just like they played it in week one. So I think it goes to two problems. I think, They've been more passive defensively here the last few weeks. I mean, I don't know what those, like you watch the game. I don't know what some of those zones were where guys are just, I mean, there's nobody nearby in coverage,
0: right? They were as passive in this game at the linebacker level in any game I can, re- the Patriots are at their best, especially against the run when those linebackers are coming up and they're smashing heads, right? They they come up right. on the guards, they come up on the center. When those guys try to, when they run inside zone and they try to counter up to the second level, and Bentley's just boom. Right. Like he's right there, a yard or two off the line of scrimmage, pushing those guys backwards when they pull a guy like they ran that that counter scheme like 100 times on Sunday when they pull guys, those pullers are getting stood up in the hole by the linebackers. That's when they're at their best. But like you said, they were passive and they're sitting back because they're afraid of the pass. Right. They're afraid that two is just going to pull it. And and that's that's the kind of the problem that I see with this team. For me, it's – what what pass are they afraid of? Like I, I texted
1: some people this during the game. It's like they accidentally watched the Alabama tape of Tua.
0: I think they're and afraid of the RPO the passes, passes, right? They're afraid of a little curl or a little slant or
1: – But, they're, uh, but they're, give, they're, 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 gi- they're just giving it to them. They're just right. giving it to them. They're not even – if they're so afraid of it, no. To me, it looks like they're afraid before the RPO. It looks like, they're, like their overall defensive scheme was yeah. they were afraid of getting beat over the top. Yeah, And it just, everything the Dolphins have done this year, that doesn't make any sense. They honestly, like, the game plan they used was very similar to the game plan they used against Buffalo in Week 16. And as poorly as they executed it at times, that's the right game plan against Josh Allen, is you drop back into coverage, force him to be disciplined, force him to throw underneath, and wait for him to make the mistake. And yeah. it capitalized on the mistake in week 16. But, like, that's, and that's a perfectly fine game plan against Josh Allen. Just like Patrick Mahomes, that's what you do against these elite gunslinger quarterbacks. That's,
0: two is not in that category. No, two Tua is, two Tua is not close to that category. In show. I right. said, what should they do? They should play press man against this. time. They didn't do that. The entire right. I didn't see them press guys except situationally. Like J.C. Jackson, like played soft press against Devontae Parker on that pass breakup, right? Like there are certain certain situations where I saw them play a little bit more press. But I was, you're, I mean, they're they're sagging off of it and they're worried about these throws. And honestly, like when I watched the, some of these RPO uh, tape. Back and I just like kind of cut out just the RPO plays and looked at all those. There were like 25 of them. uh When I watched just those back, Tua probably could have thrown the ball for for seven, eight, nine yards per pop too, if he wanted to, right? He decided to hand off the ball because that was the read that he was technically getting. But the flats were open all of the, the entire game too, right? If he wanted to dump the ball off into the flat, that flat route, they were motioning or running the tight end into the flat that that play was there for seven yards every single time also. So it was just, th- these schemes just confuse them. I They don't have a good scheme for it. They don't have the athleticism at the second level. Like that very first play of the game, I think it was, they run the bubble screen, right? They, they, they throw the bubble screen out. And D'Angelo Ross actually does a pretty good job of pressing the tight end and forcing the ball back inside instead of letting it get the corner. But Jawan Bentley is the one that's coming over from inside the the middle of the field. And he's just not close to it, you know? Like, he just can't get over there. And because he can't get over there, it gains nine yards on first and 10. And now it's second and one, and you're behind the chains, and you're trying to play makeup. And it just, I don't know. Those those concepts, uh, I think it's personnel. And I'm not talking about them having to, like, completely you know get rid of Bentley get rid of Hightower completely reinvent themselves at that linebacker spot but I think they really need to think about uh in the future drafting some linebackers with that are a little bit more athletic like I know your guy you're gonna you're gonna bring up Henry Toto right. but like whoever well, might I know I was gonna
1: say they drafted Cameron McGrone last year
0: yeah maybe McGrone is part of the answer right and I think guys like Duggar are part of the answer playing those guys close to the line of scrimmage. But this is a, a scheme and a problem uh, with RPOs or even read option with quarterbacks that goes back to a, a decade now, since he started to trickle up into the NFL and they can't do it, right? They can't stop it. They haven't been able to stop it for years under Bill Belichick. So to me, this is not about Bill Belichick. Can't coach a defense to stop an RPO. I just don't think he has the horses to stop him. Well, I I think part of it, too, and this is a bigger problem, and it goes to
1: the last Bills game, is just the lack of adjustments, Yeah. right? Okay, so their their game plan was to play off on the RPOs, right? And I guess maybe if you do that, it's almost like against a young quarterback, you force them to overthink, because you're supposed to make that decision so quickly. If there's nobody to read in the area, you kind of have to overthink it. Right. Some people have suggested that's the way to defend RPOs is because again, if you make the quarterback wait on his decision, you get the the, the lineman downfield penalty. So, hey, if we just don't put a read guy in that spot, yeah, the play's wide open, but maybe the quarterback gets tripped up. So that's a way some people have suggested to defend the play. It does work against some quarterbacks. I don't know if that's Patriots plan or not. I'm just saying. That, to if me, that right. was, well, here's the thing. If that was, yeah. it clearly didn't work on Sunday. Right. I figured that out pretty quickly. I, I you, you probably figured it out pretty quickly. Didn't take us 60 minutes to figure it out. Right. The Patriots never made the adjustment defensively. And I don't know whether that's Bill. I don't know whether it's Steve. I don't know whether right. it's Gerard Mayo. There's, And it's another common thread for these last four weeks. There's been a lack of adjustments on the defensive side of the ball, when something's not working, they've been very hesitant to change it. And I I don't know why I can't tell you why, but it's just, it's and and maybe they truly believe in what they're doing and maybe they think things will come back and even out. And look, they almost have right. Josh Allen almost throws the pick to JC Jackson in week 16. They dropped two picks against two in Miami. Maybe they, maybe they believe water finds its level and, but, but it hasn't yet. And it's just been kind of jarring to see because what's made this team so good over the last 20 plus years is their ability to change what they're doing in games. There's a reason versatility is such a Patriots buzzword because they can be doing one thing. It's not working and they can completely shift what they're doing to something else and still play at a very high level. We haven't seen them do that this year.
0: Yeah. And I I think that the lack of it offensively, we got on the fact that they started slow and then eventually did adjust. I think the offensive adjustments are at least coming a little bit sooner in these games and the defense, the defense never adjusts. The defense just comes in with their game plan and they play it the way they want to play it. And they go down swinging. We saw it in week 16 against Buffalo with all the man coverage, right? I mean, they just, they go down swinging with what they planned on doing in the game defensively. And I, like you said, I don't know who's responsible for that. I don't know which coaches respons- are You have to point to bill and say you're bill freaking Belichick. Like, make an adjustment right you know like, it, like it, it does feel like at some point in time you, you got to look at bill and say you're the greatest defensive mind of all time arguably probably so what's going on here I, I also wanted to talk about matthew judon and his lack of production recently and he had 12 and a half sacks in his first 13 games he has zero or end zero quarterback hits in the last month he hasn't touched the quarterback in the last month. Now I know against Jacksonville, you'll well, hey he bit. touched he touched Tua. He got to he, he did make
1: contact with Tua. We saw yeah, that.
0: That's true. Didn't count, but that's true. Um I, I, this is a a really interesting thing with Judon that's going on because I remember earlier in the season we talked a lot about how far behind the quarterback Judon likes to run at times. And Chris Long had a great line about it when he had Kyle Van Noy on his podcast like a month ago where he said, Judon's got free reign to run the hoop, doesn't he? Which he means that he can just run around the tackle and try to work back up to the quarterback as often as he wants. And early in the season, he's running past the QBs, but he's working his way back and he's getting tons of sacks doing it, right? He's just right. he's getting to the quarterback constantly. Now it feels like maybe tackles have adjusted to it right like where they know that the the get off and the the speed rush is coming and he hasn't built in another compliment now my my hope is that he's saving the compliment for saturday night right like he's gonna come off the edge he's gonna go for the speed uh Deion Dawkins is going to go with him and then he's going to spin, right? Or something like that and give an inside counter. But so far he hasn't, and he's finding himself past the quarterback constantly. And he's actually hurting the team at this point uh, with the way that he's rushing the QB, Uh, the big third down play where Barmore also gets hurt on the play, right? Judon is the one that gets caught up the field too far past the quarterback and he lets Tua out of the pocket and the rest is history. This has been a consistent problem with Matthew Judon, a lack of effectiveness on one hand and and on the second hand, actually hurting the team by blowing the edge, like consistently, hurting the team by doing that. Where do you stand right now with Judon? Cause clearly he's a good player and we know that he can thrive in this system and, and be a, a force for the Patriots, but what's going on with him? Yeah, I and
1: I, I I don't know, like big picture. I again I think tackles have kind of caught on to it. Yeah, I think teams have also become very aware that there's not much of a threat on the other side. Yeah, and and I don't I don't mean that yeah. as a knack to Kyle Van Noy because I actually think Kyle Van Noy's played very well down the stretch. I thought he was one of their best defensive players of the year, or one of the best defensive players of the game. Sorry, on Sunday, he actually was one of their best defensive players of the year too. But yeah. Van Noy's not this iteration of Kyle Van Noy. At least he's not your traditional pass rusher. He kind of comes up he sets the edge he gets in the quarterback's face he he knocks the ball down he's what they want their edge guys to be more so like he's kind of filled into that mold so i think you know i'm looking at one of two things for this this game coming up first off and i talked about this before the week 16 game and i don't i actually never went back and checked how much they did it i don't think they did it a ton the one thing you cannot allow if you're the patriots you can, other than Isaiah McKenzie running uncovered 15 yards down the field, you cannot allow Josh Allen to roll to his right. You just it,
0: he ran around Gillette stadium. Literally. Right, but here's he the thing. When he's, when he's going
1: to his right. Yeah. the plays over. Like yeah. the play's already over if you're the defense. If he's going to his right, he's going to make something happen. It might be just a five yard scramble, but he's going to do something. If you can force him to his left, he gets a little more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. He can't throw as well on the run in that direction. He's a little more inaccurate, all that. And you can just tell he, he he's not comfortable. He doesn't want to roll to his left. Yeah. So in that first game, right? In the game in the in the wind, they had Judon off his right side, Van Noy off his left side. And there were a couple times where Allen was able to get out to his right. Cause again, Judon overrushed. Yeah. And Judon got to him a couple of times too. Like it's a split. Yeah. He had a like, huge
0: scramble in that game. with Judon blew
1: on late you. in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I would like to see the Patriots do. And I don't think they did this much in week 16 when I said they should do it. So one thing I think you do is you flip them. You flip Judon and Van Noy and let yeah. Van Noy set that,
0: I guess for the defense would be the left side. Right. But Josh the side. Right, right side. you want right. The arm side, Right. They do that. Sometimes they do try to close off the arm side, right? That's all they need the to do. Later, it, but,
1: yeah. They need to do it regularly against this guy. Yeah. Like Kyle Vinoy close off the arm side, shut that exit from the pocket down. And then if Judon wants to overrush on the backside, fine, because Allen's going to be more reluctant to go that way. And then yeah. Judon can still play the game the way he wants to play it. So that's one thing. The other the thing issue is, that you
0: have to worry about with that really quickly is yeah, you can't, have Judon completely overcommit where the middle of the pocket opens up, right? Because that's but what that's happens. true. If he's on either side, right? But if you're gonna let Judon just have free reign on the back side and yeah. you're gonna put three guys on his right and just one guy on his left, right? Yeah, ha- to me, almost you have to have like a five man rush, right? Where you're able to keep well, yeah. every point of the pocket closed. And, and I think that's you know, we talk about containing quarterbacks in the pocket. This is a Star Wars trash compactor game, right? This is one of those games where you just want the whole pocket to collapse on, on Josh Allen instead of having points here and points there because that's what happened last time. In, in week 16, they had a 40% pressure rate on Josh Allen. The problem was is how they were pressuring him. It wasn't necessarily that they didn't pressure him. It was the fact that it was always one guy coming free and the other parts of the pocket were collapsing, right? Like the, it, it was... There was never consistent compact pressure all the time. They got to get those points back. Go ahead. Right.
1: So, so yeah. And it's it's again, it's more complicated than just swapping those two guys. But I that's yeah. something I'd like to see them do. The other thing is, I think teams have caught on to at this point. It's Judon and Barmore. That's the pass rush. Unless right. they're going to scheme it up for somebody on the other side, or they're yeah. going to scheme it up for Kyle Duggar coming in, or or Dont'a Hightower coming in from the second level, right? That's kind of what it is. And I think teams are keying in on that. And they're just focused more on that side. You got to get somebody else involved. And yeah. Uche, I don't know that win-o So Uche, yeah. Uche, I think is the guy I actually thought Uche had a good game against Miami. I thought he actually played pretty well. Yeah. You got to have some sort of threat opposite Matt Judon because he's getting attention. Now he's getting yeah. more attention than he got in the first half of the year. I don't think that's the entire problem, but it's certainly part of the equation. So there, you know, where Josh Uche has gone this season. I know he was on IR for a little bit, but I get like, I get on one hand, I get it. Matthew Judon and Kyle Calvin were playing at such a high level during that winning streak. And they're just, there weren't snaps for Josh Uche. You weren't going to take either one of those guys on. the, You weren't going to take either one of those guys off the field. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. And it goes back to my point about adjustments. It's time to make an adjustment. And who is that next pass rusher? Who's going to come in and give you a spark The Chase Winovich experiment seems to be pretty much over. Yeah. Dietrich Wise is a really good run player. I don't know that he's that explosive pass rusher you're looking for. They could try bringing Dante Hightower off the edge. That's something they've done in the past when they want to give pass rushes. But that was, it was a different Dante Hightower. Yeah. No. I, it's to me, it's Josh Uche. He's the guy that you got to put it like we talk about the Patriots having a different wrinkle for the playoffs. What are they going to add that we haven't seen yet? Whether it's on the offensive side of the ball, is it RPOs, is it John who Smith, whatever the wrinkle on the defensive side of the ball. Like what's the new ad that we haven't really seen. It needs to be Josh Uche. It needs to be Josh Uche coming off what opposite, whatever side Matthew Judon is on and just getting a more athletic pass rush on the field.
0: Yeah, to me, this is a game where, and I, I love Don, Dante Hightower is an all-time great Patriot, right? I mean, he's an yeah. all-time great Patriot. If he's healthy for this game, he's a first down player in this game, and that's it. And I think the same goes for Juwan Bentley, too. Like, those guys don't have, a, in my mind, those guys don't have a place in this game plan. Like it it really a a large role in this game plan, at least. Like if you want to put them in there on on third and fourth and one, that's one thing, right? Right. Right? Goal line, those types of things. But this game, they need to get the thumpers off the field in this game. They have no no purpose on the field in this game. This is an athlete's game. This is a game where they need to be, in my mind, with Duggar back, hopefully, this needs to be a dime defense game. They need to be in 60 DB. I would probably make it three safety D six DB. So you have a little bit more strength, right? A little bit more pop in some of those guys and guys like Phillips and Duggar who have experience playing more as linebackers or in the box. And I would run this game as a six DB game. This is not a Dante Hightower game. No. And this is not a Juwan Bentley game either, or really a Kyle Van Noy game, to be honest with you, unless you want to play them on the edge and have them contain the entire game. I, see, probably- I don't, I don't I don't ha- having him contain Josh Allen. If he's playing yeah. off the arm side.
1: Yeah. I-, I don't hate, but yeah. Another guy I'll mention, by the way, I said, Josh Uche probably should be that guy, man. If they could get a throwback game from Jamie Collins, yeah. like that's what they need. They need like first, first stint Patriots, Jamie Collins. That's yeah. who they need in this game. Really. And I-, I wouldn't be shocked if, if, if Jamie still has a couple of those games left in him, I really wouldn't. And he hasn't played a ton this year and he's probably pretty fresh, but that's, kind of what they need i i, I think and to, I
0: to think go, further,
1: gonna... to go, go further to your point no about you know playing in you know heavy defensive back packages i think the other thing you want to do is you want to bait the. it's clearly not going to be enough just baiting josh allen into taking underneath throws we saw yeah. that in the last game he's gonna he's gonna do it he's not gonna take the bait right he's he's evolved to that point and credit to him for that you need to bake the Bills into running the football because this Bills team cannot run the football if it's not Josh Allen. We saw it yeah. against Tampa. We saw it against Patriots in that second game. Josh Allen is that rushing game. And I'll put the, this disclaimer out there because Bills fans are going to call me an asshole, but it's the reality of football. It's how teams played Cam Newton. It's how teams played Mike Vick. It's how teams have played Aaron Rodgers. If you're going to, if the quarterback is a crucial part of the running game, you're going to get shots on him. And if you get shots on him late in the year, you're going to knock him around a little bit, and it's going to make it harder for him because he's going to start getting banged up. If you force the Bills to run the ball, you're going to get more hits on on Josh Allen. That's just the reality of it. Now, you hope they're not 20 yards down the field and he's not taking off on you, but I don't think it's going to be enough to just force Josh Allen to take what's underneath. I think they got to get super light, force the Bills to run the ball, and then when you can hit Josh Allen, you got to hit him.
0: Yeah, and I I just feel like this game in general, like – Okay, maybe Devon Godshaw has a role in this game on the nose as a guy that can plug up the middle and, and on first down, like first and ten. If you want to run good guy and Godshaw, and Hightower, and Bentley out there, then whatever, fine. But honestly, I I, I wouldn't mind at all if they just sat and, and dime three D, three yeah. safety dime this entire game. I honestly wouldn't. If they want to run the, beat you running the ball, then let them beat you running the ball. Right? Like that's that that's them beating you left handed. So if they and right. they want to do that, then like go right ahead. I mean, I don't know. I, I just my guess if they're is- gonna
1: beat you, if they're gonna beat you with Josh, and look, you you still gotta take care of business on the other side of the ball, and the offense has to do something. That's obviously part of the equation. Right. But if they're gonna beat you with Josh Allen running the ball 20 times, they're gonna beat you with Josh Allen running the right. ball 20 times. You take that. That's your best shot because every time he runs the ball, he's not throwing it.
0: Yeah. That's that's what you want. Yeah. I, I, and it shortens the game too, right? Like it gives, right. And that's gives, that, yeah. the Patriots are running the ball and Buffalo is running the ball. Now, all of a sudden there's, there's a whole lot less game time to, to be so worried that about.
1: Is, that's a really good point. And that's something I, you mind, if I get into that now, because no, it, it's something I talked about with the, with the bucks game in week four, and I'm going to bring it back here. The bills run a high risk, high reward offense. It's just the style of offense. They're not the only team that does it. It's just what they do. And they need it's not necessarily about time of possession it's about total plays and total drives to get things done right they they need more drives because they need that room forever. you've seen it here the last couple weeks where josh allen throws three picks they str- they they struggle against the falcons they pull away in the fourth quarter against the bills they struggled for most they not struggled but you know it's close for most of that game and they pull away in the fourth quarter they're doing that on their you know 10th 9th 10th 11th 12th drive of the game yeah if you're the patriots And and by the way, they kind of did it here. They kind of did it here in that week 16 game. You don't want to give the bills that 10th, that 11th, that 12th drive, the way you do that. And this is more for the Patriots offense than the defense. But yeah, if you get the bills to run the ball, you kind of play into this. Yeah. You got to control the tempo of the game. you got to keep that clock moving. So that's yeah. running the ball successfully on offense. It goes back to what I talked about on the offense about the offensive line. They can't just be fine. They've got to be going for four to five yards to carry, staying ahead of the chains and chewing up the clock when they have the ball. And then on defense, if you can force the bills to do the same, you just shrink their margin for error. You shrink it significantly because they're built to win. And I'm going to pull the numbers up after, after I say this, I should have had them in front of me, but you, the bills are trying to get 10, 11, 12 shots, right? Yeah. Because they figure, they that's the thing about the Patriots offense. It's not explosive, but they're pretty much going to do what they're going to do. I don't know that they need as many drives to get to the total that they want to get to. They, they can do what they need to do, especially if they're running the ball well. They can do what they need to do in only seven or eight drives. And it helps the defense, too, because the defense has been getting picked for the Patriots. The defense has been getting gas late in these games. If the if the bills, the fewer drives the bills run. The better chance the Patriots have in that game. Yeah. So again, that's running the ball. It's limiting turnovers. It's forcing them to run the ball. Yeah. So I think that's a huge part of this game. I'm going to pull up the drive numbers now. Is it? I'll, uh, I'll when I'll let you when get you're your that up. On that.
0: Is this? Uh, is this the too high Peyton Manning Broncos game? Remember that game in 2013? The Patriots came out. They played a bunch of dime. They played a lot of too high safety, and they forced Peyton Manning to hand the ball to No. Sean the entire game. I think No. Sean ran for like 250 yards where the Patriots ended up winning the game in overtime. And I I look at this game and I think it's a a similar style where last game out, they played post safety man-to-man coverage. They played some split safety man-to-man with the cutter, you know, the safeties cutting the crossers, but whatever, that's the minutia of it. Right. That's getting in the weeds. Right. Regardless of all of that, they played way too much man-to-man in that game. We know that. I'm not sitting here saying that the bills offense there, there's some kryptonite to the bills offense. And there's this answer to the bills offense that if they do this, they'll win the game automatically. That's not, no one's suggesting that, but every time I watch the bills on film and I've watched a ton of bills tape this year, cause they've now played them three times every single right. time that I watch the bills on tape they are much worse and much more prone to making mistakes against zone coverage than man coverage. I don't I think they that Allen technically throws well against both types of coverages because he's just a good player, but his mistakes and his turnover worthy plays and his interceptions go up when you play zone against that, uh, that game against uh, Atlanta a few weeks ago, way through three picks. That yeah. game was three picks on zone coverage. There was no man, right? Like they, they, they came out in some man coverage early in that game and he went right up and down the field on them. So this is a a quarterback that is definitely somebody that need that is worse against zone coverage than man coverage. And and you have to play zone against this guy. So if you ask me, uh, or at least two man, right? At least put the two safeties over the top and play man coverage under it. That's fine too. But playing single high man, you're asking for a disaster. So maybe this is one of those throwback Belichick games where they say, we're going to sit in too high and we're going to beg you to run the football.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, I don't want to say it because Bill's fans are going to pass out when we say you have to defend Josh Allen, like Tom Brady, but that's kind yeah. of what, what it's come to, right? you talk about the Manning game? That was the game plan against Tampa. That was the game plan against Dallas. Right. And that's what you do. You you take the ball out of the best player's hands. And Josh Allen's the best player on the bill's offense. I don't think there's any debate in that. All. It might be Stefan Diggs, but either way, you're taking the ball out of their hands when you force them to run the ball. Uh, the numbers on this, by the way, and there's another stat I forgot about that actually proves my point better than than, than I could have without it. So the Bills are eighth in drives per game this year. I whatever one one eighty six over seventeen is. There, it's that many drives per game. I hate doing math, so they're at like eleven drives per game, right? Yeah. The Bills are. Uh, the Patriots, by the way, they are down in where are they? They are. They're down here. Uh, they're 28th in drives per game. So th- some of the other teams that are up there in, in drives per game, right? The Chiefs, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Ravens. These are the kind of offenses we're talking about where it's boom or bust. They need that margin for error. Yeah. Now, here's the flip side of that. Let's look at scoring percentage. What percentage of the drives end in scores? In the Patriots, what were they on drives? What did I say? They were 28th, something like that, 27. Yeah. So they don't they don't run a lot of drives. They don't. But... They're scoring at the second highest rate in the league. 48% of the time they get the ball, they score. The only team ahead of them is the Chiefs, 48.2. The Bills aren't bad. They're fifth. They're 45. But that kind of proves my point. If you limit the drives, which team can get points more consistently? You know, over a certain period of time, for the Bills, it's going to add up because they're more explosive. Yeah. But if you can limit those drives – the Patriots, on a per-drive basis, are the more are actually the more consistent offense. So that's a that's, I think that's a big thing in this game. Is let, let's look at the number and look. I said this. At, I said for the Bucs game. I said if they hold the Bucks to nine or fewer drives, they would win the game. The Bucs scored the what ended up being the winning touchdown on the tenth drive of the game. So let's, I'm going to put that number out there again. If they can hold the bills to, you know, it problem needs to be, it might've been eight and nine, actually. Yeah. That's it. They said eight drives. Tampa scored. What was the, the, the go ahead touchdown on the nut drive on the Patriots ensuing drive. They missed that field goal. They, right. If the Patriots can hold the bills to eight drives or less, they're going to be right there in this game. It's when you get the drives like. nine, 10, 11, 12, but, but this is what the bills have
0: been the last few weeks give please bring close. back the Peyton game plan. Just, just. But that—that's what I'm saying. That's what this let him is. Run it. Let them run it. Is. The Bills yeah. were close.
1: They were close in the third quarter against Atlanta. They were close in the third quarter against the Jets. They were close in the third quarter against the Patriots in Week 16. They need those extra drives to do what they want to do. That's when they break through. They break through late in games, and we've seen this defense struggle late in games. So what do you do? And and by the way the whole late in game thing to me, people think of that as time times like time on the clock times, a part of that equation times, not that, that whole equation. Some of it is play count, right. And, in time of possession, because is your, you know, defensively is your 60th snap coming with two minutes to go in the game. Or is it coming with two minutes to go in the third quarter? Right. Because that looks awfully different and you might play the 60th snap the same way. But the point is, if you know you can only make it to 65 snaps, well, if if the game ends at 64, you're in good shape, right? If the third quarter ends at 64, you're in a whole lot of trouble. So I think that that's a big number for both of these teams is not just end of game in terms of the time on the clock, but end of game in terms of, on, on one hand, I guess it's conditioning, but on the other hand, it's just margin of error. Yeah. So for me, you need to rush the end of that. You You, you need to push the end of that game off as far as possible and potentially eliminate it. This game should be 16 drives long, eight each side. If the Patriots do that, they have a shot.
0: Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen threw the ball 47 times in week 16 and the Patriots allowed the bills just from a stylistic perspective the Patriots allowed the bills to turn that into a flag football game, right? That became about yeah. our athletes against your athletes. Uh, there was no physicality. There was no real jamming, redirecting at the line of scrimmage to the receivers. There were the pass rush was all over the place. They got beat up up front by the bills offensive line and, and they were controlled the game in that respect. The Patriots can control and bring back those throwback game plans or they were the more physical teams where they invited the run allowed teams to run on them. But you know, obviously, yeah, you might run for 200 yards, but it's going to be on 40 carries. Right. And that that's, that's okay. And what you can't give up is the big runs. Right. But if you give up, even if you're giving up a little bit here and there, that that's fine. It's the explosives that you don't want to give up on the ground. And I love, uh, once again, Alex, as we wrap it up here, the chat dominated. Dominated by Bill's mafia. I, I I we really appreciate you guys. We do. Thanks for coming around. I'll take and, the views. I'll take look this. We will take I, it. Right, season season's
1: going to be done soon, one way or the other. I need money to, to go out, go to the bar, so I'll take all your clicks, your downloads, your comments, your likes, all of them. Thank you very much, Bill. Thank, thank you very much. Awfully we kind all... of you
0: to show up and hang out today. We always have to shout out Bills Mafia for coming on and uh, and chatting with us and enjoying the show. I, I and would... just about everybody kept it clean. There were almost no slurs
1: almost no slurs from the Bills fans. There was a lot of
0: things that, that were very wrong about what they were saying, but, we'll, oh, yeah. we'll... no, but
1: look, look, they can be wrong. They're Bills fans. They've always been wrong. I'm just saying they came <laughs> very close to no slurs this time, which is good. It's growth.
0: I think this is why they keep coming back. Cause we just, we, we go back and forth with them. And I think that they appreciate that. So I, I we appreciate you coming on and watching, uh, go root for whoever you want to go root for on Saturday night, Alex and I will be back, uh, on, we're doing Thursday friday i have a uh, a flight friday night are you flying out friday we
1: can uh we could probably we should be able to swing it thursday we can probably swing. yeah
0: i think i mean we are i both of us already know this bill's team like the back of their our hands that's the one good thing uh, a lot from a workflow perspective of drawing but i already know what i'm gonna write well mr meanwhile mister i only care about the tape i watch and nothing else
1: you wouldn't rather see the Bengals instead of watch the same tape for the third time because
0: i already know what i need to i already know what they need to do we know what they need to do and, and that's, that's the most ridiculous part know. about this whole thing. If they don't play the game plan that everybody thinks that they should play, then they've always smarted themselves. And that's going to be extremely frustrating, right? Like if they go out there and they think, Oh, everybody thinks we're going to play too high and invite the run. So let's play one high again and get torsion man coverage with miles, Bryant on Isaiah McKenzie. I'm going to pull my hair out. Right. So that that's going to be really interesting to see on Saturday night is if they do the obvious that we all can see or not, but in, until we come back to you on Thursday, for this wasn't even the the preview show. This was the preview show before the preview show. So we're gonna have way more Patriots Bills talk here on Patriots Beat on Thursday, and then on uh, on Saturday I will be at the game. Alex will be covering the game on 98.5. You can hear him on the station uh, multiple times or all day. I don't know what your schedule is, Alex. But is I'm
1: on uh, I'm on Saturday before the game on the pregame show, and then I'll be actually be on Sunday morning. There you go. with Ted Johnson. Like that. So that'll be an interest. That'll show. be fun.
0: Okay. Yeah. So we'll be on the preview show on Thursday evening to preview Patriots bills. And we're going to have a lot of fun with these guys uh, and bills mafia as well. So come on back, come on back on Thursday night and join us then. But until then signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching everybody. We'll see you Thursday.